what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneurial Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, what's the state of small business? We'll get to an article with some thoughts from Linda McMahon, who's the Small Business Administration Head. Pay attention, or it could be the figure four leg lock for you. We've got a special guest today, U.S. Congressman Patrick McHenry from North Carolina's 10th District to talk about his perspective on small business, crowdfunding, and how Washington can help. Hopefully, he won't be putting us in the figure four leg lock. And finally, we'll end up with the Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is Dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory. Gary, how you doing? Jeff, I'm doing great. Excited about our guest today and excited about football season. <laughs> well, it's late August. you got kids back in school, and yes. all you can think about is a football. Well, they're thinking about football, a little bit school, too. But, yeah, we got two of them back in college, so that's exciting. And uh, we just went through the Great Eclipse. Did you, did you get to participate in that? I did. And at the benefit of our welding program, I used their shield to be able to see the eclipse the other day. So how's that for sponsoring oh, our that's, school? That's very supporting good. our school. I actually went down to Columbia, South Carolina with some friends and got to be in the path of totality. How was it for you? We had a very good time. We had very good weather. It was a little bit warm, but the clouds parted. The sun went away. It was dark for two minutes, and then the lights came back on. And That's cool. Did you see Jim Thomas? You know, He took our engineering students down there. I, I didn't see Jim Thomas. They launched I, a balloon. I was at the, uh, the South Carolina Fairgrounds and next to their football stadium, stadium and saw 20,000 other people. Fantastic. It was all good. Yeah, it was really cool, quite honestly. Well, we're very pleased today to have uh, Congressman Patrick McHenry with us. And, and uh, Congressman McHenry, how are you doing today? Excellent. Happy to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, and uh, Congressman McHenry is a Republican representing North Carolina's 10th district uh, in Congress. The 10th district is in western North Carolina from uh, around where we are here in Catawba County, stretching west to Buncombe County and Asheville, which is one of the uh, biggest tourist spots in the southeast, uh, you know, wonderful town. And uh, Congressman McHenry is in his seventh term in Congress. I'm looking at him to make sure I've got the stati- uh, information right. He is the chief deputy whip. He's vice chairman of the House Financial Services Committee. He has successfully passed leg- legislation into law that helps entrepreneurs with startup investing. In the 114th Congress, Congressman McHenry authored the RAISE Act, which stands for Reforming Access for Investments in Startup Enterprises, which was signed into law by President Obama, providing the means for startups to sell stock to private investors. And he's been involved in other equity-based crowdfunding legislation and activities. He's the recipient of several awards, including the National Association of Manufacturing Manufacturing Legislative Excellence Award, the Small Business and Enterprise Council Small Business Champion Award, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is Spirit of Enterprise Award, and I'm probably leaving a lot out, and I'm getting tired of talking. So anyway, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, very impressive. And, and thank you for that work, and uh, we're very glad that you could join us while you're 
you're on recess from uh, from your work in Washington. Well, it's great to be out of Washington this month. Did, did a lot of town halls, but uh, great to visit with small businesses, community leaders, and, and get the feedback from constituents and, and really be out of Washington uh, for a couple of weeks and, and sort of regain my sense of, of sanity. Uh, but thanks, thank you for the, the, this discussion and podcast. Really important that we focus on our small businesses. They're really the lifeblood of Western North Carolina and economic vitality and growth. Uh, it's a big part country. of what we focus on at the community college system is what we can do to and, help build businesses and start businesses. And, and it's amazing. I mean, uh, Catawba Valley does a great job of delivering on this promise that, that we're going to coordinate, work with business, make sure we've got workforce development, education. I mean, uh, training folks' minds and, and improving people's uh, capacity so they can get the jobs they want. Uh, not the ones they're forced into, but the ones they desire. And uh, that, that means skills. That means uh, education. It means being able to think through uh, challenges in this in this really complicated world that we're currently living in. And it's exciting. We're, we are creating a lot of students that are going out in the workforce, and they've got great opportunities. But the other challenge is there is a skills gap. Everybody talks about it. And our challenge is to help get more students out there into the workforce to help our business partners. Well, we we always like to to start with a little article that uh, Gary or I have come across, and in, in, uh, in our local paper, there was an AP article that had an interview with uh, the head of the Small Business Administration, Linda McMahon, talking about how uh, you know it, it's things are looking good for entrepreneurs. We're seeing more startups, but uh, there are still some hurdles out there in terms of. Uh, she specifically talks about access to capital. She talks about access to qualified workforce, which are, are two of the big issues that, that come out there. And I, and I guess, uh, uh, Congressman, in your travels and what you're seeing, how do you how do you see the state of small business and entrepreneurship? Uh, positive trends. You know, what, what sort of challenges are you seeing out there? Well, uh, if you look at, at the, the the macro um, uh, statistics, uh, we're we're at a uh, low point uh, for entrepreneurship and small business development historically. Uh, the numbers are not, are not reassuring. Uh, if you look at uh, uh, 30 years ago to today and try to make some of those comparisons so we can see more clearly what's happening, uh, we see uh, in this less, last economic downturn fewer uh, small business starts than we've done in previous economic downturns. That's a problem. We see, uh, we see that small counties uh, that were once the net job creators for this country are actually net job losers in this country. That's a problem. Uh, that may go to the skills gap as, as part of that challenge. Um, and then third, I look at my role in the Financial Services Committee and looking at access to capital issues. How do you get lending? How do you get investment? How do you help small businesses get that little bit of risk capital in order to do something big, maybe maybe small, but certainly a little bit of risk capital alongside? Um, well, I look at that, and, and I see that uh, large banks uh, 30 years ago had a majority of their bank balance sheets uh, were to small business loans. Now it's 20%. So we have bigger banks than ever before um, as, as a result of the last economic downturn and some regulation and law changes. Um, but we also see this movement away from small business lending because of some of the regulations. And what we need are more community banks, more 
opportunities for small business folks to get a little bit of seed capital or risk capital to work alongside them. So I've tried to focus on that. That's the experience that I had as a, as a child growing up watching my father, who's an entrepreneur, start a business out of our backyard. Now, he didn't start Google or Facebook or something like that. Uh, he started a, a lawn mowing business, a grass mowing business, mm-hmm. and, and turned it into a, a sizable business. And that business uh, put uh, me and my uh, uh, two brothers and two sisters through college. Uh, well, mainly because we, we had the opportunity to work in the business. Uh, actually, no choice, but, you know. But that's um, a great story. It is. I mean, that is just a great story. And my father got his first piece of equipment, a riding lawnmower, because uh, a, a dealer, a salesman, uh, allowed him to demo it. In order, in, in order to get a couple cuts in, and then my father could, could pay for the lawnmower, he and his business partner. The second piece of, of equipment he got was a truck to put that lawnmower in the back of. This was in the late 70s. The cost structure, very different than it is now. These, these, um, but he got a credit card in order to buy that, law, that truck. It's more difficult to get a credit card. But still, small, more small businesses are created out of credit cards uh, credit card debt than any other form of capital raising. So we need to enhance that ability for, for entrepreneurs like my dad or, or like people that are listening that, that may have a dream of something that they think is revolutionary uh, but look at the broader world and say, well, it's just a small thing. It doesn't matter. Everybody needs to have their own – their opportunity uh, – to, to meet their dream, the goals that they, they've set for themselves. And we need to make sure we foster uh, through education, training, and capital formation those opportunities. Well, I, I know in the work that I do down at the Small Business Center, we, we run into a lot of people who are, are looking for a smaller amount of money, uh, anywhere from perhaps $5,000 to $25,000, $50,000. And you know, my sense in talking with some of the larger banks in the area is that that's almost – too small amount for them to get particularly interested in because their underwriting costs are going to be the same for that loan as it would be for a $100,000 loan. So they're not always interested in talking to that um, smaller person. And, and it seems like there are, are some smaller community lending financial organizations that are out there that are more interested in working with startups, but sometimes the rates are higher there. Uh, often the rates are higher there, although they've got some more flexibility. So, so yeah, I, I think that there are probably some institutions that have some more focus there, but perhaps not enough at this point in time, and that seems to be one of the challenges. I, and, and with that said, you know, part of me can empathize with some of the larger banks in that you know, my sense is that as they came through uh, the challenges of, of 2008, 2009, I always got the sense that they were getting pulled in two different directions and that that uh, they had auditors uh, on the inside screaming you need to uh, you need to uh, make sure that that you're covered on certain loans and you've made some loans that don't look particularly good and, and you need more more capital and reserves and whatnot and on the other side there were uh, you know the, the general public was saying why won't those banks loan to uh, to to the small businesses so I, I think they were getting it from both ends you well know? there used to be a little broader regulatory flexibility for for smaller banks to engage in effectively private equity style lending, which was, I'm going to deeply understand you, your capacity mm-hmm. to repay as an individual, and make and your credit rating sterling. You uh, you're undertaking something new, and so therefore your financials. There are no financials, right? 
but I know you've got a great credit rating. I'm willing to understand your business, understand the risks you're taking. Um, I saw that with my dad. Uh, he had a banker who worked with him early, and he, through the full stage of his business development, he stuck with that banker because she was there in the beginning and gave him a little bit of capital. Um, a little bit of capital, and when he needed, when, when he had a greater capacity to get bigger amounts of capital, and, and, and the books looked really good, mm-hmm. he stuck with her. Out of that, that that day is no more, given the regulatory environment we're mm-hmm. in. Now there are new innovations, and this is where I spent a significant amount of time around fintech or financial technology. That the opportunity to use your smartphone in order to access capital using the internet to access capital. And so there's small business lending that's happening in a vibrant fashion that is more like that old style lending that once was here in our community in a vibrant way. So I think we can have FinTech help advance small business lending, advance new forms of of access to capital for those that maybe are on the margins in terms of their credit rating or on the margins they want to get ahead as a family, but also small businesses that want to take risk. At the same time, we need to let small banks go back to the way they once operated so they could actually assess and understand their community and, and take risk, appropriate risk, smart risk, informed risk in order to help foster the folks that you see walking in every day or call you or reach out to you or email for advice and guidance on how they structure business, start up, and do all those technical things that you, you help uh, help folks in our community uh, uh, do and understand. So, so I, I think you're saying it's not a one-size-fits-all type regulation legislations for the for the bigger banks and the and the community banks so you want to provide some flexibility to some of those community banks to to reach out to be more available to, to some of the small businesses that's right it that's right good. Um, and look I mean we need we need to, to understand that um, we have to uh, we have to have regulation that fits the risk uh, and that means a we've, we have big data like never before. We have computing capacity like never before, yet we have regulators that are still making decisions like they did 50 and 100 years ago. They're not using data. They're not using broader inputs in society. They're still using noticing comments of, of folks that, that have a complaint about a regulation rather than saying we're going to collect a lot of data, see what's happening in the marketplace, and make those assessments. When they look at this, you see if you actually look at the data – we should be focused more on this small business development than ever before in our nation's history. It once fostered itself. Now we have to have the tools in our community. That means local government, county government, state government, and the federal government having this mindset of fostering innovation. Uh, fostering innovation so we have a more vibrant economy, better economic choices for in- individuals. Mm-hmm. And you're really on the front lines. Community College is on the front lines of delivering on that for us in North Carolina and is stuck to that mission um, o- over the long run of the community college system. But what I'm seeing in the last 10 years is, as never before, the community college is focused on the needs in our community and changing very nimbly, uh, far more nimble than I think people give educational institutions or government credit for. That, to me, is a healthy sign in our community Um, and also uh, the mindset of local governments to say we have to be welcoming, open, 
and have the infrastructure necessary so small businesses can be in Western North Carolina. Um, and you've got to have the right leadership in those organizations. I mean, we're fortunate. Dr. Henshaw uh, sees the importance of the business community and, and building businesses. Uh, but it's our mission, uh, and he gives us the resources the best that he can to try to fulfill that. And it is paying off. We're seeing uh, great relationships with our government and our local business partners. Yeah, I, I think that still a lot of the, the, the local governments are, are often focused more on the, on, the, on the white whale or the, you know, when, when are we going to get the, the car manufacturer uh, and that sort of thing. And, and sometimes the small businesses and some of the smaller things, I don't want to say are, are, are shoved under the rug, but might not get the, as much priority as, as, as they deserve. Singles so. and doubles. Singles yeah. and doubles. Exactly. Singles and doubles. Right? That's how Ty Cobb became a Hall of Famer, yeah. right? Exactly uh, and right. everybody wants to say you're, you're going to step up to the plate, home run. Right, but that's not operationally how individuals and families are making their assessment. Uh, I, you know, I'd rather have uh, a, a, an, econ- an economy for our region driven out of a diverse array of businesses that are small and medium size, rather than be contingent upon a single industry sector. We've that's a risky situation. That. We've lived through that yes. in a, as a region. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when we diversified out of textiles and furniture into technology, fiber optic cable, we had the tech bubble mm-hmm. and we had the, these uh, you know, trade losses as, and textiles, furniture and, and fiber optic cable and uh, 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 this telecommunications infrastructure all hit at the same time. Uh, now, we're stronger, more resilient, and more broad-based than that. And those industry, all three of those industry segments are stronger than they were 10 years yeah, that's ago. That's exactly right. It's a fantastic thing. So let's build off of that, uh, out of that network, and what we have, that capacity we have in our community. As you, yeah, yeah, I, I'm assuming you, you uh, spend time in, in all the counties that you cover in, in western North Carolina when you have the opportunity to be home. And are, are there certain sectors that you're seeing that uh, seem hotter than others? I mean, I... I, I, I've probably been guilty of visiting Asheville and trying to uh, test out some of the new breweries and the craft oh, brewers up there, and that's that's obviously something. Not just in Asheville, but I guess really throughout throughout North Carolina, that's become a very big business. But are are there certain sectors that you're seeing that uh, um, are are more interesting or, or hotter than others? Well, I, what's amazing is our fiber optic. Uh, infrastructure, our, our telecommunications infrastructure has enabled a myriad of small businesses that just need to be able to connect, whether it's e-commerce uh, uh, or just that connectivity that allows an individual to be here. Maybe and it's maybe one, two, three jobs affiliated with it, but it, it has an impact. Mm-hmm. And based off our quality of life, based off our quality of life in Western North Carolina, individuals are saying, well, I'm making the choice to be here. Uh, so I'm seeing a good bit of that. Uh, but you mentioned breweries. In, West, in North Carolina, with a, s- a few small regulatory changes, we have a broader set of, of in- uh, investments um, and uh, jobs that are coming of that and businesses. And so, uh, I mean, we're, we're, uh, where we sit here in, in Hickory, uh, uh, Catawba Brewing has, uh, has a place about a block away. But they also have a facility now in, in, in competing very well in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that diversity of jobs that comes that, that come as a result of that craft brewing. Um, 
in that investment. Mm. Uh, so you have small business, uh, small business folks, entrepreneurs, risk takers that are also uh, scientists and artists. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool mixture of folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually makes people think a little more broadly, well, if they can do that, I can go do this, right? And, and that, I, I think, is a, is, a, is a great thing when you see folks uh, doing that in the community. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. You spent a lot of time on equity crowdfunding and, and, and made some very significant progress on equity crowdfunding. Tell our listeners a little bit about equity crowdfunding, how it differs from, I, I don't know if you would call it traditional crowdfunding, but if you go out to Kickstarter or, or some of the other places, I, I, I equate it more to an NPR-type model where, you know, contribute $25 toward this company and we'll send you a coffee cup type thing. So mm-hmm. tell, us a little, tell, tell folks a little bit about equity crowdfunding and where that fits into access to capital. So crowdfunding is an old, old concept. Uh, when the French donated the Statue of Liberty to the United States, uh, there was a broad array of collections to build the base and the infrastructure to build the Statue of Liberty. And you had folks from around the country send uh, pennies and, and, and nickels to contribute to to what is, you know, what is really a hallmark of, of our country. And eventually they put words on that and everything, too. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, you see uh, uh, the March of Dimes, right, to actually eradicate uh, a, a, a disease, a, to eradicate uh, uh, a real societal challenge we have, uh, and people contributing dimes, children conti- contributing dimes. Um, well, that's crowdfunding. Well, so the crowd participating. Well, the Internet gives us this capacity like never before. And so you have businesses that are able to raise money uh, based off donations or pre-orders. Uh, there are a couple great examples with this. But the general concept of using the Internet to raise money was interesting to me. Uh, I read a story about uh, a, a marketing executive who uh, saw that Pabst Blue Ribbon was uh, up for sale, uh, and you had uh, and he, he had this simple idea. He put it out on Facebook and Twitter. says, want to buy a beer company. And he had all these folks, his Facebook friends and folks that he did business with, said, sure, I'll contribute 100 bucks, and sure, I'll do this. And he thought, well, I'll just put up a website. He had the capacity to do that with a marketing agency. And he said, I'll put up a website. We'll get, we'll get folks to just pony up, and we'll collect we'll – collect, uh, the millions of dollars to buy it, and that way it doesn't go to a foreign uh, company. Well, great concept until federal agents knocked on his door and informed him he was breaking uh, federal securities law. Uh, he didn't know that. He had good intentions. He didn't collect any dollars. He, you know, it, it, and so uh, I read this story, and I thought, well, why can't you? Why can't average everyday folks do the things that they're doing in Silicon Valley that are only left up to effectively millionaires and, and folks with more wealth than that. Mm. Why can't we have that same access? And so 
the idea that, that and through a lot of compromise, we're, we came up with a, a piece of legislation that's now law um, that enables folks to raise up to a million dollars. Uh, for businesses. So the, the idea is for small businesses to be able to use the internet to get investors. Well, uh, re- the Securities Exchange Commission took my 11 page bill and turned it into 500 pages of regulation. Well, they're paid on the page, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You get a commission there. Uh, and so uh, it has fallen short of that promise. So we're working through, and I've, I've been working through mm-hmm. for the last. Uh, uh, four years uh, to actually clean up that process. Now, it took them four years to write the 500 pages of, of regulation. Um, so I'm trying to clean up that process. Uh, but the goal would be to u- be able to use the Internet to have that small investment with, pr- with protections. We don't want mm-hmm. folks betting their life savings uh, on, on a, a risky investment. Right. But we want folks to be able to have that opportunity uh, to, to have an ownership stake and to make sure that we align align labor with capital is is that really broader societal goal that i'm i'm focused on i think is very important are, are, are there certain niches where equity crowdfunding becomes more effective in terms of whether it be size of business or a, i assume it's growth companies i i, I sort of assume and, and maybe i'm wrong that that the your, the example that you gave of your father with his his lawn care business is probably not the right place for equity crowdfunding but are there are certain niches where it's going to be more effective well, I think of a, a, a the perfect example is a coffee shop, right? You got a great local coffee shop, uh, whether it's you know Copper Bean on 127, and you say, well, they they want mm. let's say they want to open a second location. Great. Well, I I like their product. I go in, you know, go in every time I'm in town, and uh, yeah, I'd love for them to have a second location. Now, just as an example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it that ownership stake of something you're participating in, that you're engaged in. That you you may have an affinity for. It's not really about uh, retiring off of it or getting rich, but it's actually having that connection with a, a, a company you're participating. I think that those are great. There are great opportunities there. I think it's a great opportunity for folks that were born on the wrong side of the tracks but have new ideas. The idea right now, the, the frustrating thing I see is with venture capital money nationally. We're the biggest venture capital country in the world, mm-hmm. and venture capital, uh, over 80% of venture capital goes to three states, Texas, California, and uh, it's either New York or Massachusetts, just depending on uh, uh, it sort of ebbs and flows. Okay. Well, I can say four states. Huh? So four states, fine. Yeah. Four states, you're pushing 90%. I cannot believe that four states have all the good, good ideas. ideas. right. That's absurd. Uh, and I also uh, can't see that folks that that uh, have a uh, upper middle class income have better access to capital than folks that had a lower middle class income or grew up poor. That to me is absurd too. Just because you grew up poor does not mean you don't have good ideas, or that if you grew up wealthy, doesn't mean you got better ideas. And so let's make sure we have a democratization of capital and it's good ideas can link up with capital and that better system means you have more vibrant uh, small business growth so I, I think there are great opportunities that can level the playing field and lower that barrier of entry that cost structure for lending or investment well I, so I, I'm, I'm with you on that that makes sense and and 
wanted to touch on another issue while we've got you in, in that, uh, that that we, we mentioned a little bit earlier and, and uh, Linda McMahon brings up is, is access to workers in terms of a challenge for small business. And a lot of your district is, is fairly rural. You've got Asheville, which is not, but uh, uh, most of your district, I would say, is. And, and it, it seems like there's an overall trend where, particularly for younger folks, they they prefer cities, or they at least start in cities, and they might move back. and And, and actually, I'm I'm guilty of that. And that uh, I started, you know, I moved from here and was in a city dweller for a while, and 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 moved back here. But but when it comes to access to uh, a trained workforce and and qualified employees, it looks like rural counties struggle with that more than than some of the the larger areas. And you have any? I, I don't think you have a magic wand with you today, but do you have any thoughts on that and, and suggestions on on how uh, small businesses uh, can help counteract uh, those trends? Well, it's really economic opportunities that that have uh, that have driven uh, driven uh, uh, young folks to the urban you know urban core, uh, perhaps lifestyle as well. Uh, but a lot of that rebalances once uh, once they uh, start having kids, right? Um, you know, I, I think we all can sort of think of that as, as, as examples. But economic opportunities. So, so what we, I, I think what we have to focus on for communities outside of the urban core is how do you have, how do you have um, better educational outcomes, um, infrastructure commensurate with the needs for for sort of the next generation to so keep people here. Um, I think of uh, connectivity, uh, uh, water, right? So, uh, like Hickory is important. Trails, walking trails, biking trails, and all, all you know, hiking trails. Um, those those things in comes then it's this creation of this broader lifestyle um, uh, um, gift that, mm-hmm. that is really Western North Carolina. And let, let's – we don't have to take somebody else's model. This is, this is perhaps my broader focus, which is let's harness who we are, use those positive attributes, right? And market that to – Market that. Be who we are, right. but let's be, be a better version of who we are, right? Mm-hmm. Let's, let's actually drive that. And, and I think, you know, I think, Gary, to, to this point with what you do – it's not what folks are doing in Silicon Valley. It's what's the capacity here. Right. Now, Comscopes and, and mm-hmm. uh, Corning's uh, capacity is tech. Um, it's not building transistors, right? <laughs> no, the, no, it's it's and and it's not uh, coding. It is it is a, u- a unique form of tech. Let's enhance that. Let's build off of that footprint out of. Um, uh, you, you think of the capacity with with textiles. There is a next generation of textiles that actually is tech forward. Um, there's a next generation of robotics that is coming out of manufacturing. Let's ha- harness those things and and build out what are the laudable attributes of our community. Um, we're not going to have an urban core like Charlotte or Atlanta. We're also not going to have the traffic of Charlotte and Atlanta. So, I mean, let's use the, the things that are best. I have a broader perspective, which is 
what I want in in my community and in the communities that I get to represent is is the best for anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like the compliment. You know, that's really nice for Hickory, right? I always think, well, well, no, no, that's just very nice. Okay. You don't have to say this. I I think that what we have can match anywhere, uh, nationally or internationally, you want to be. Um, it, but we need to actually be proud of who we are and what is here. And that sort of sense of pride in who we are and driving to be even a better version of who we right. are, I think is, is I think necessary. that's a good point. Same works in business. You don't want to, just because somebody's doing it well, it may not be what we can be as a business. So we have to find good our, to great. To find right. our, find our competitive right. advantage. Right. That's exactly right. Jim so. Collins, good to great. Sure. Right? Focus on who you are and be the best yes, that, that you is. You can be at it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, I, but again, easy to say, hard to deliver yeah. on. Yeah. Like all this stuff, right? Well, we, 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 we'll, we'll start winding some things up here and, and uh, you know, just sort of, you know, you're, you're enjoying uh, the, the relaxation of uh, Western North Carolina at this point in time. At some point, you have to head back north and, and go to Washington, and it looks like you've got some pretty hefty things that uh, the Congress will be addressing from, from debt ceilings to potentially looking at tax systems and infrastructure and whatnot. Any, any, any bold predictions you want to make for the, the rest of the calendar year? That's totally, totally your option. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we won't right, tell anybody. Uh, right now, making predictions of Washington is a dangerous thing. I, I right? would think so. <laughs> uh, I, I think we'll get uh, tax reform done by the end of the year, I mean, signed into law. I think it's important for families. I mean, we have the middle income, middle income families in this country uh, have, been, uh, have been left behind in the last 30 years. We have to change that. We have to relieve some tax burden for the folks in the middle. Uh, help them help them better save for for their family's needs, while at the same time helping larger businesses not be targets for buyouts from foreign-based companies, because our tax our tax code is is effectively twice the rate as as uh, the first world. So for international competition, we need ca- uh, corporate income tax reform. But second to my focus on the uh, folks in the middle. For, for the personal income tax code. Second to that is the focus on small businesses that file through the individual tax code. Mm-hmm. That's the driving force of Western North Carolina. And we have to make sure that those businesses, broadly in, in D.C. terms called pass-throughs, mm-hmm. right, uh, that those small businesses can c- compete and have a much lower tax rate. And we want to incentivize small business growth, and that's one way to do it. Uh, and so... Those things are obviously complex, pretty simple um, for the individual tax code, to simp- a pretty reasonable conversation to simplify the individual tax code. To do the corporate tax code is highly complex. Well, and I would, I would think so in that, that although we can say the standard rates are higher, it seems like a lot of the large corporations have found various loopholes so they might not be paying those higher rates so it's sort of a trade-off between lowering rates closing loopholes and trying not to bust budgets yeah it's, that's a, that's a very that's a very fine line to walk yeah absolutely and the biggest of big corporations with a team of lawyers and accountants mm. have a tax code that they enjoy in our country but if you're a small 
corporation or a medium-sized corporation, you have a complex tax code that is a disaster for you for compliance to ensure that you actually are doing what the law says you're supposed to do. Um, and the complexity is such that you may not even know that you're fully complying with the law, have certainty with it, and at the same time, you can't take advantage of the loopholes that the biggest of big can do with a, mm. uh, a, a compliance department that's really adept. So let's simplify the rates. We still have to fund our government. That is the purpose of our tax regime. So we have to be mindful of that as well. And so it's, it's, it's this give and take. We want to be competitive internationally. Mm-hmm. We want to relieve a tax burden on, on the taxpayers. Uh, but at the same time, we actually need to fund our infrastructure. We need mm-hmm. to fund our educational institutions. And we still have to fund our national defense in a dangerous world. So th- this, ha- this can't be lost in the discussion yeah, right. as well. Well, well, you 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 mentioned that uh, some of the legislation you passed on crowdfunding required some compromise. That's that, that's an okay word here. So uh, we we hope that you'll figure that one out, and that it's uh, you know you're we all we have some challenges, and there there's some uh, heavy lifting, and we we uh, wish you the best of luck as you as you try to figure that out in Washington. So well, thank you, Joe. We, thank we, you, Joe. we, we wish you a lot of luck to get we, these we, things we, done. We appreciate you, your, appreciate you joining us today. We uh, always like to end up our <clears throat> podcast by talking about uh, uh, small businesses that we've come across. And, uh, Congressman, I don't know if there are any that, that you'd like to give a shout-out to today in, in your travels that uh, uh, you'd like to uh, say something about. Well, there are too many. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the great news. Um, I but uh, the example I use with Catawba Brewing, I mean, what, what Catawba Brewing is built out uh, and the risk they took going into Asheville, which is a, you know, is its own brewing culture, mm-hmm. uh, the risk that they took as a, as a, as a group to, to do that, um, it's a, that's, it's a, it's a, sp- a substantial amount of risk capital, um, but they've got a great, great uh, product. Um, and great options in the community. So that, that's what I'd highlight. And really great that we have those innovators that are willing to be here in our community. And I, I, mean, I think that the, one of their brews, I think, is their White Zombie beer, that's which right. uh, you know I, I can attest, I can, I can good, try a, very, a very good product. So Excellent. Anyway. All right, Gary, what's, uh, what's your small business this month? Well, as you know, I always seem to highlight a food product or a pet product, and this month's no different. My business of the month is something I saw on a new summer TV show called Thunderdome with Steve Harvey. Just watching Sunday night, not sure. Have you seen it? Uh, I've not. Yes, I, yes, Sunday night I'm sort of tied up with Game of Thrones, but go ahead. Okay, okay. Well, it's pretty cool, actually. And the show, people compete for money, and there's a studio audience that picks the winner. And it's a takeoff on my favorite show, Shark Tank. Uh, and it's, like, like I say, a game show. And the business product that I saw that I thought was really interesting was the Puff and Fluff Dog Dryer. It started, this is why it's cool to me. So it when your a, dog is wet, you can dry them off. That's exactly right. Okay. We all know, understand that. I'm going to just throw mine in the dryer, but go, go ahead. <laughs> well, that may be the next phase of this. Well, it came from a third grade project, Invention Convention. And even though the instructions were simple, it was a task uh, that was pretty tough for these third graders. Uh, Marissa String had a dog, her favorite dog named Mojo. Uh, and she was determined to come up with something for this problem that we had. She disliked uh, seeing her dog wet, and certainly the dog does too. So her goal was to find something that would work. And so what she came up with was this uh, material that you stick your dog's paws through, 
uh, and you tie it around their neck and backside and then you can hook it up to any dryer that you want to hair dryer it works mm -hmm. and I saw the results of it were very good and I thought about well this would work for my dog Deacon and uh, my wife always is complaining after we wash him he runs around the house rolls in the carpet and rugs and all those things so I think it might be a Christmas present for my wife Tammy what do you think I, I think we're fortunate that she doesn't listen to our podcast, so it'll still be a surprise for her. It'll be a surprise, and it'll be a real surprise if, she, if that's what I got her. Unless she for listens, Christmas. she never gets this far into the podcast. No, that's true. She She's given up on me. So, yeah. Then. So anyway, um, well, that sounds good. Well, I sort of have a dual small business of the month. I was uh, I saw an article uh, in the Raleigh News and Observer about an entrepreneur, Jenny Hua H W A, who moved to North Carolina from California. And she wanted to start a clothing company where the clothes could be made in North Carolina of quality products. Uh, so she actually started a company called Loyal, with an E on the end, L-O-W-A-L-E, which offers uh, uh, women's shirts. Uh, uh, the tops are made of a fabric actually from Japan, but it's cut and sewn at a company called Opportunity Threads, which is an employee-owned factory in western North Carolina yes. uh, near us in Valdez, North Carolina. Uh, uh, so, uh, so number one, I wanted to uh, give a shout out to Loyal and uh, uh, the owner uh, Jenny Wa says that the, the reason that the fabric is coming from Japan is that she just found a better cost quality uh, uh, combination with what she found there. But she was very excited that she was able to work with Opportunity Threads. You can now buy her products online at uh, www loyalstudio.com and it's l-o-w-a-l-e studio.com but I uh, also wanted to give a sh shout out to Opportunity Threads yeah, who, who we've done some work with and, and uh, they're a cut and sew operation uh, employee, employee have employee owners they're located in Valdez, North Carolina Molly Hemstreet is the founder and uh, she says the general principle is that if you're a worker there there's a path for you to ownership which is based on your performance uh, the people that put the energy into building the company are the direct beneficiary, beneficiaries of it. They've got 24 employees now, 14 of whom are worker owners or candidates to be worker owners, and they've got six employees on their board of directors. Uh, they're doing other products uh, such as Maggie's Organic Socks, garments for children's apparel companies. Uh, so they're, they're, very, they're very active. You can learn more about Opportunity Threads at www, uh, excuse me, no W's in front of it, just OpportunityThreads.com. So you can check them out there. So I, I got two for you, this one. That's so, outstanding. So, well, we appreciate, uh, appreciate you checking out the Entrepreneur Exchange. If you've got an idea for our Small Business of the Month, you can email it to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. We want to thank The Mesh for hosting us and check out other podcasts on The Mesh Network. We want to thank uh, Congressman Patrick McHenry for joining us today. Congressman, if people want to find you, I suspect they know how, but any, any uh, certain way they should be looking for you? Uh, I've got offices in, uh, well, obviously Washington, but also Hickory, Gastonia, and Black Mountain. Uh, you can also see me on my website or you know, uh, connect with us on, on uh, social media, but also my main website, which is mchenry.house.gov. Uh, but I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and everything else. All right. He's He's a social thanks again for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for the exchange. Good conversation. Thanks for what you all do. Well, we appreciate everybody listening, and we'll look forward to talking with you again next month.
You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.